I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to Dwell. Before we get you to this week's episode, we just want to let you know about a new program at the Searcy Institute. It's called The Hearth and it's a year-long feast for the Christian classical homeschooler. Join Renee Mathis, one of the co-hosts here on Dwell, as she encourages and equips parents in their Christian classical homeschooling journey. As an experienced homeschool mom herself, she understands that this might be the most difficult, most daunting, and most exciting task you have ever undertaken. But you're not alone. Welcome to The Hearth. Join Renee and other homeschooling parents to learn more, to learn together about what it takes to pursue the goal of a Christ-centered homeschool. Participants will meet twice per month over Zoom, with the first meeting focused on a specific topic, and the second is set aside for Q&A. Between meetings, you will have access to an online community to continue the conversation and share resources. You can register for the hearth at searcyinstitute.com. The first gathering is September 14th, and there is early bird pricing through August 20th. So please join us around the hearth. There's a seat for you at the table. Again, the link is searcyinstitute.com. And now, this week's episode of Dwell. And welcome to Dwell, a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey, friends. Hello. Good to see you all. Good afternoon. All right. So last time we gathered, we talked about mimetic instruction. And with mimetic instruction, we, we kind of chatted through, like, what is that? It's an imitative instruction. It's imitating. We talked to the specifics of what mimetic teaching looks like in homeschooling on a day-to-day basis. We spent most of our time talking through how you can apply this mode of teaching to academic instruction, whether that's literature or science or history. But what about social instruction to teach the norms of society? This is something that's brought up all the time in homeschool circles. What about socialization? Um, Well, what about manners? And are manners important? Now, since most of y'all who are listening are probably mothers, I would guess that you would answer that with a resounding yes. Manners are important. But why are they important? And how do you go about teaching your children manners? 
It turns out that manners are not innately born in a person. Wouldn't that be nice? They must be taught. In fact, there are different appropriate manners or rules of etiquette in different societies, even in different parts of our own countries, which we'll talk about a little bit as some of us are from different parts of the country. But in Middle Eastern countries, it's actually appropriate to burp after a meal to show your appreciation for the cooking. But you know that you would give your boy a very strong mom glare if they ever tried that at the table. In Japan, it's insulting to leave a tip for a service. In Venezuela, it is polite to be late to an event. And in France, you should never bring a bottle of wine to a dinner. But what about here in the U.S.? What manners should we be instilling in our kids and why? Emily Post says, which we all know is the authority on manners. She says, thus, best society is not a fellowship of the wealthy, nor does it seek to exclude those who are not of exalted birth. But it is an association of gentlefolk, of which good form in speech, charm of manner, knowledge of social amenities, and instinctive consideration for the feelings of others are the credentials by which society the world over recognizes its chosen members. So why should you teach manners? I'll just throw that one out there just for us to start with. Why should we teach our children manners? Karen, Renee, any thoughts on this? Sure. I always have thoughts. <laughs> okay. So um, thinking about manners recently and, and thinking about classical Christian education, because it's, it's that time of year. And um, of course, that's always on my mind. But I love that one of the four elements of classical education is what we would say is a high view of man. And I can't think of a better reason to teach manners then realizing that not only are our children image bearers of God because they're created in his image, but so is the rest of the world. So when we look at our children, um, you know, they come to us, you know, unformed in a sense, and we've got to teach them how to become citizens in our own, in our own country, in our, in our own little household, right? But not only do they need to know how to do that, they need to realize that everyone else out there is also made in the image of God and therefore deserving of our respect and honor and, and, and worthy of respect and honor. If for no other reason than, than God has put his stamp on that person. So it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter where they live, what they look like, what their abilities are, um, you know, how much money they have, if they're sick or ill, healthy, it doesn't matter. Everyone is deserving of the same kind of respect. And so I, I believe that we respect our own children when we expect the best out of them. And we respect others when we train our children to learn how to interact well with others. And I do say train. It doesn't come naturally. And it is something that we do have to make an effort with. Um, Karen, we were talking about this, and, and you mentioned a quote <laughs> that you liked. Yeah, we um, love Jordan Peterson, love listening to him, his, all of his um, wisdom and common sense and his humor. And in his book, 12 Rules for Life, he has a, one of his rules is, don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. And so his chapter is about the ways we train our children. and. Um, and of course, it's not only so that you don't dislike your own child, but so that other people 
don't like, don't dislike your children or so that other people don't dislike my children. And I love that because um, it's humorous, but it's also painfully true that um, children need to be, need the training. They need the modeling of good manners, but every day they need reminders and they need mm-hmm. lessons and they need just, um, they need to be taught kindly how to interact with other people and every social setting um, in, in every place that they might go. Yeah, and Karen, that, that, I was thinking as you talked about that, is that um, there are reasons, there are bad reasons to teach good manners too. And I wanted to get a couple of those on the table right away. We don't teach children manners so they make us look good, right? Our kids are not on display. They're not there for our our egos to prop ourselves up, you know, that we dress them up and parade them. So, yeah, manners are not <laughs> not to make mom and dad look good or feel good about themselves. Um, and they're also not, we never want to teach our children that manners are a way of putting yourself above somebody else. You know, the Bible has very strong things to say about the sin of elevating your own self, of being prideful, of, of thinking you're better than other people because of where you live or how much money your dad makes or what you wear, any of those things. Um, you know, and manners, manners are not an excuse for pride. So manners are really to learn how to treat other people in such a way that, that we don't even have to think about it, that, that we do it automatically. And then there, there's a confidence that comes with that. And so we want our children to have that confidence, to be able to be at ease in all kinds of situations because they know what to do. Well, I love that thought, Renee, of starting off the conversation with the idea that we are image bearers and we should offer dignity and respect to others because of that. And if you begin to view manners from that perspective, you do view it with a humility because you are alongside the rest of the world. You are alongside the other image bearers who are out there. Um, and when you see it from that way, all of the manners, which we're, we're going to talk about some even practically like specific manners to teach your children, those come from a humility of putting others ahead of ourselves, viewing them as more important. So even simple manners of um, please and thank you, um, Renee mentioned this before, of um, how you should say, um, you should say you're welcome. If someone says thank you, you should say you're welcome. Instead of, oh, no problem, or it was nothing. Acknowledge it for what it is. And I don't, was it one of y'all when we were talking earlier, you're like, or, or you can say my pleasure if you work at Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> there's, and we said, you know what, Chick-fil-A has done a really awesome job of teaching their employees manners. Um, and it's gone a long, long way in their reputation. But there is, it starts with humility and the practices, like the really practical ways of um, table manners or conversation manners. It begins with viewing others as more important than myself. Even the small manner of a gentleman opening the door for a lady is literally putting them ahead of themselves. I will let you go first in front of me. So I love that you put that out there, Annie, that this isn't to make you look good and this isn't to make you above someone this really is, um, it is for the harmony of society. And I was sitting, um, having lunch with my husband uh, before this. And I was like, hey, why do you think we teach our kids manners? He was like, for the propagation of civilization, because 
civilization would die without manners. And it, it's true. Like you must have mannerly civil people for there to be a harmony among people. And we were, we were kind of um, putting ourselves in the older generation here a little bit and bemoaning a little bit like the loss of manners. So thus this conversation, let's not lose manners. Um, let's teach our kids manners. So how did you, how did y'all do this? Like in your own homes, how to teach manners um, and maybe, or maybe even before that, what manners specifically, um, there's, you know, there's lists of manners um, that are important, but what were some of the manners that were important to y'all's families when you were training your kids? I think that manners start as soon as children start to interact um, in a purposeful way with other people, they, they can start to have manners. So um, I watched Larissa teach um, her oldest daughter, our granddaughter, Serafina, how to say please and thank you with sign language. She could do please, thank you, more, and I'm done with sign language. So she was doing that just after turning one, I think. And that, that isn't something that when I was ra- when we were raising our kids, people weren't doing that. But I, I just applaud it because even from the earliest age in their high chair, they're able to um, express forms of courtesy to other people, which is acknowledging that there are other people here. It's not just about me. So, and then watching, having, just having these little two-year-old world in our home, I am reminded of how it's such a daily thing. You know, so many times a day, you know, Annie might say more and I'll say more, please. And she'll say more, please. Or, you know, don't forget to say thank you. Or can you please open the door for me? Like, it's just all day long modeling and training going on with littles in the house. And you just got, you just got to do it because it pays off. And, you know, it's not something that can be skipped over. And they, exactly, Karen. And, you know, I love that because when they're talking, you're talking with them and, and, you know, you're, you're telling them what to say and they're imitating what you say. And so they're learning and they're absorbing all of that. And and of course, there's no better place than the dinner table to learn all kinds of manners, um, which is why it's so important. Okay. Young moms, if you're listening to this, please, please, please make it a priority to have dinner with your kids, with your, your husband, the whole family together. If you're not doing it every night, set a goal of doing it more than you are. Let's just start there. <laughs> just Let's just try to do a little bit better. And, um, you know, at, at the dinner table, you know, how to have a good conversation, how not to interrupt, how to let someone tell a story about their day, how to ask them a question and, and you know, throw that little conversational ball around the table metaphorically, unless maybe you want to have an actual ball and throw it around the table for fun and use that to start conversations. You, you can have a lot of fun when you teach manners. But other things, you know, at the table, not only does it make it more pleasant for everybody there, obviously, if everyone has good manners, but again, you, know, you remind the kids, I'm teaching you this now so that when you are in other places, not our table, you'll know what to do and you'll feel comfortable, whether, you know, you're at a friend's house or you're out to dinner at a restaurant or, um, you know, one of these days, maybe you're going to be on a job interview or you're you're meeting your, your boyfriend or girlfriend's parents for the first time at dinner. And, so all those are reasons to to do it over and over. And, and if you eat dinner together every night, every night, it's a brand new opportunity for everyone to 
to show those good manners and to um, to practice loving your family at the dinner table. And when everyone does that, it's fun. It's a dinner dinner time is a lot of fun. It's a great thing to look forward to for everybody. Table manners. This was a huge thing for my family growing up. My mom was my mom was into manners. She's from Texas, and her dad um, was raised like in the Dallas genteel generation. Um, so table manners were a really big deal. Um, my husband's family as well, being from the South. So when we had kids. We we're like, all right, table manners is a big deal. And our next podcast, we're going to be talking about. This is like a spoiler alert here. We're going to be talking about cooking and the importance of cooking and the family meal. So I, I see these kind of go together a little bit that here you are coming together around a table. Um, historically, this has always been a, a meeting place and a connecting place. And I'm sure, you know, y'all have been in that situation that you're, you're at a dinner and nobody has any manners. And it actually does take a little bit away from the experience. Now, disclaimer, I get it. You have like little bitties and you know what? Sometimes dinner gets a little bit chaotic and people are not chewing with their mouth closed or whatever. And that's because they're still in training. They're still learning. But as Karen said, you can begin at a very, at a very young age. In my house, we say, we talk about our white house manners. If we were going to go to the white house and have dinner with the president, what kind of manners would we use? So even practically of using your napkin, of having napkins at your table, we like to use cloth napkins. I like my kids to learn how to use cloth napkins. We don't always, um, but a napkin on the table for them to learn to put in their, their lap. I cannot tell you how many times my mom said, the tablecloth is not a napkin. So the tablecloth is not a napkin. Napkins are napkins. <laughs> and even just like practical things of not chewing with your mouth open, passing and asking for food to be passed instead of reaching. Um, this is like a really big one that's kind of gone by the wayside of waiting until everyone is served to start eating. This is like a practical thing that has been around for hundreds of years that you do wait until all of the food has been passed around. Everyone is served before you start eating. That does offer just like a dignity and respect to say, I'm willing to wait until you are served before I begin my meal. Karen, you brought this up earlier. This is a modern day thing of no phones at the table. That probably starts with us more than our kids, but maybe that's that mimetic instruction of taking your phone away from the table, um, asking to be excused, helping to clear the table. Um, those are just like a few things that really just create a lovely dinner experience. Um, and as you said, Renee, these are skills that serve them for a lifetime. If they ever end up having dinner with the president, they'll be set. So talk to me about um, the manners of learning conversational skills. How did you teach your kids how to have conversations with others? This is brought up often in homeschooling circles with the socialization question of how homeschoolers learn to converse with others and relate to others. Were there any like practical ways that you taught your kids how to have conversations? Well, one, one thing related that I want to say first is that one of the things about manners is it gives a child or anybody a way to behave that doesn't depend on their personality. So that if a child is shy, they can, by knowing, by having in their toolbox, so to speak, maybe some questions to ask somebody or a way to respond when they're asked something or to look somebody in the eye, then they 
can develop habits that take them beyond their natural personality. I'm thinking of a shy person here, a shy child, or a precocious child who talks a lot, maybe needs to learn the opposite, you know, to let the adults at the table have a conversation, um, maybe when to be quiet, um, when to not um, take over a conversation. And so one of the things we did when our kids were really little was that the first five minutes of dinner, they had to be quiet and eat and Andrew and I would have a conversation. Um, they were probably like eight and under at that time. Um, but it just gave them way, you know, well, it, it enabled them to focus on their food and to eat, but also to realize, you know, the adults can talk and we can listen and that's okay. So, yeah, so having questions, having questions in your, in your pocket, so to speak, that you can bring out when you meet somebody for the first time, you know, where are you from? Um, tell me about this about yourself in a way that's appropriate for a child to speak either to another child or for a child to speak to an adult. Yeah, and especially for boys, um, I mean, I think boys and girls together, but especially for young men, you know, they need to know how to have a good handshake. And you know, a firm handshake, not a, not a break your fingers, but not the whole limp fish thing either. Um, so practice introductions, practicing, hi, I'm blank. Nice to meet you. Extend your hand. Right. Um, I think that the actual manners for, for women these days, I don't, when I was growing up, it used to be that a woman never extended her hand unless the man did first. Um, so I don't know what the rule is these days, but often if I'm, if I'm introducing myself to someone younger than myself, I think it's actually like the opposite that a man, that a woman extends her hand first. Yeah. As long as you, you know, shake someone's hand, look them in the eye and good eye contact, you know, pitch your voice at a decent volume so they can hear you. And, and yeah, you know, just even just being able to say, my name is blank, you know, I'm happy to meet you. Um, for a lot of kids, that might be a huge first step. And, you know, you may need to work on that for a while before you, you branch off into small talk. But, um, you know, we can get there. <laughs> we can always get there. And, and I would encourage moms, just make it fun. And, 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 you know? Play it. Yeah. Say that again, Karen? Role, role play. play. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say just role play. Role playing, at, you know. Exactly. I mean, you, you can take the stuffed animals and you can set up a tea party and you can practice role playing with the teddy bears, introducing themselves. Or maybe, you know, moms, you can have ice cream sundaes and, and practice t dinner table manners while you fix ice cream sundaes and, and pass the M&Ms around or something. Um, and really, really praise your kids when they do it right. And if they, if they mess up, you know, it's, it's not a personal affront. You don't have to come down hard on them. You just say, oh my goodness, let's practice this again, you know, and, and make it fun and, and have lots of hugs and giggles. And, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not something that they should be scared of, but, you know, it should just be a fun part of learning to grow up. And, and most kids do want to learn to grow up and, and have bigger responsibilities that come with, with maturity and age and and so you know sometimes all you need to tell them is this is we're learning how to be grown-ups here um because we want you to to be able to function well when you're when you're not under our roof anymore and it is and recognize this is a lifelong gift that you're giving your kids and as you you probably keep hearing this over and over that it is a practice it is a training it's not something that is just 
that, that you're born with. Um, so recognize that you are giving them a gift. I think especially on conversation, um, as you mentioned, Karen, putting in their toolbox that list of questions. This is something that we still do. Actually, younger kids, you know, give them a few questions. But especially if you have teenagers, this is huge with teenagers. Of uh, you are really equipping them to have a conversation. I cannot tell you how many adults that I talk to that I have. I have work meetings all the time, and I'll leave the meeting and recognize that I was not asked a single question during the entire conversation. And that really, it's just a manners thing. It's all it is. And we don't, many of us aren't natural question askers. It's a skill that you learn. And sometimes like, well, I don't know what questions to ask. Um, I actually like, before I go to a social event, I used with my husband's career, I used to go to so many social events and cocktail parties and all these. So on the way there, we would kind of joke, we're like, okay, what are questions of the evening? And you're setting yourself up for success if you have some questions decided ahead of time. So I'll still do this with my kids. We're on our way to an event. I was like, all right, three questions that you can ask at this event. Um, you know, are you excited to go back to school or tell me about um, a school experience if an, an adult? Tell me about a school experience that you had when you were a teenager. Um, did you go anywhere fun? Sunk? Super easy questions, but your kids probably won't think of asking these. So set them up for success and just put a few questions in their toolbox. Um, and as Renee, as you mentioned, make eye contact. It's really hard for some kids. It's hard for me sometimes to look a grown up in the eye, but you are setting them up for success with others um, by teaching them how to have good conversations. All right. On conversation, any other comments um, or other manners that were important to you? Okay. So I have, I have a funny manner story. Yeah. We had, we had some friends that um, we were thinking about the idea of, you know, geography and where we live and, and what's important in your particular community um, is one way to, to think about, especially with teaching our kids. If you're in a part of the country where nobody says yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, um, maybe that's not going to be as big of a priority in your family as if you live somewhere where everybody says yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Um, then, you know, that becomes something you train train with your kids. But um, we have some, some good friends who, as adults, moved from the state of New York, where they were from, to the state of South Carolina, where um, he was going to be pastoring a church, and, and they were brand new to the area, and they had just gotten to their, their new home, and they'd gone to the grocery store for the first time. And as they were leaving the grocery store, taking their bags out with them, the cashier called out, and she said, y'all come back. And so they turned around and came back. <laughs> and we're like, yes. And they kind of this awkward looking at each other. You asked us to come back and we did. So yeah. And so sometimes you just have to kind of learn the lingo where you live. I I have a funny story too from teaching manners, and that is that this was uh, David was probably at four, and it was back when everybody didn't have cell phones and you had one or two phones in your house, and the phone would ring. And the child would have to answer the phone. And so we were teaching David how to answer the phone and say, pick up the phone and say, hello, this is David. And then wait for their, you know, wait for whatever they have to say. So one day the phone rings and David runs over, he picks it up, the receiver, he picks it up and he goes, hello, this is David. Is your mommy there? <laughs> he, realized, he realized he had, he had answered it, but he'd also said the question he was expecting them to hear. And he was so embarrassed, but it was just so. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think that it is, it is worth mentioning that, you know, we don't, most of us at least don't have landline phones anymore. We don't have, I, we have and never actually had a landline phone um, since having kids. Um, but phone etiquette has changed. And now instead of phone etiquette, um, we have texting etiquette, which is actually really, really huge. If you, you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if your teenagers have phones or if they are um, using your phone to text, we actually had this, a big conversation with our own kids just recently of what is appropriate. And I don't mean like inappropriate texting content, but just mannerly texting. And one of the things that we told our kids is never text anything serious. You don't have serious conversations via text. It's actually just not correct etiquette and causes a lot of problems um, because you it can be misinterpreted or yeah, I didn't mean it that way, but it's just a text. So I think we are entering into you, know, you, you have to like stay up with the times on manners as well. You, I guess you can't just pick up Emily Post and read it. Um, but teaching your kids appropriate texting etiquette as well. Um, or if you are my uh, 10 and 12 year old, maybe the correct texting etiquette is not texting me literally 700 emojis. Because I don't need that on my phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's texting etiquette as well. <laughs> Um, well, the set line to manners is thoughtfulness and courtesy, right? And so, you know, reminding them, being thoughtful of how other people want to be treated and how do we offer people courtesy. On so many yeah. of the, the manners, like if, we, if you list them out, whether it's um, asking before taking things, knocking on doors before entering, saying excuse me or pardon me, um, not staring, being kind to those with disabilities. Like those are all exactly what you're saying, Karen. It is being thoughtful and courteous of others. I mean, just aware, even like good hygiene. It's mannerly to have good hygiene. It's mannerly to brush your teeth. That's like correct etiquette um, or not using um, foul language. You know, if you have teenage boys, that's a good thing to have a conversation. It's actually really... It's not because I'm a mom and I don't like it and I'm offended by it. I mean, there might be some of that, but just, it's not mannerly. It's not thoughtful of others. I will say one thing that um, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of clear, specific memories about teaching my kids manners, but my daughter-in-law has done a really good job with our grandsons in teaching and training them that whenever we see them, they always run up to Steve and I with a big hug and a big smile on their face and without fail, grandmommy, granddaddy, you know, like they are so excited to see us. And um, I so appreciate that. So, you know, moms, that's one thing you can do for your kids is <laughs> train them to, to get really excited when they see their grandparents. Your grandparents will be so appreciative. <laughs> Well, and I'll just, as we wrap up here, I will throw out a couple resources that um, one that we mentioned is Jordan Peterson's book. It is actually a really wonderful book and, it, and he has some other um, principles of life that are mannerly. Um, a book that I had picked up years ago is for, it's for homeschoolers specifically, and it's a book called Protocol Matters. And it even walks you through of how you, you could have a class with other homeschoolers or friends and you know, Renee had even mentioned this when we were talking of 
maybe you have like a, a class and then you all go out to dinner and then like to a symphony or have some sort of occasion for them to practice their manners. And then there's, um, there's a book by Peggy Post that is the gift of good manners. So if you want to pick up some resources some books there of manners, um, because it does matter. It does, uh, it does reflect the honor that is due to others and hopefully creating a harmony in our homes. But if you have any, you know, stories, suggestions, thoughts, ideas, of how you have taught manners to your own children. We love for you to throw that out on the Facebook page. We are always looking for ideas to share with one another. Um, any final thoughts, ladies, before we sign off? No, I think this was wonderful. It was a good Thanks. conversation. Thanks. I know. And a good reminder to me. I was yeah. going through this. I was like, oh, wow. These are some things that I'm I'm still working on with my crew. So, All right. Enjoy your lovely afternoon. And here's to home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.